What's up? You are now listening to Americanized, a storytelling podcast where you'll hear from eclectic first and second generation Americans share their stories and real life experiences as children of immigrants. Hey, it's Rosalind, and welcome to part two of the Let's Be Kids Again series. In this FaceTime call, we chat about the creative work of Mariama and Nikki and dive a little bit deeper into the short film, Pink Noise. Be sure to listen to the end for a special announcement. I want to get into you guys talking about your work, the work that you've done in different projects and things you've been in or things you've created, and then we'll talk specifically about Pink Noise. Um, I guess we can stick on the top topic of acting and film, so like, Mariama, things you've acted in or roles you've played, I guess that's a better question, what roles have you played? And Nikki, what like films have you created? Okay. The most recent stuff I did, or I guess stuff I did like this year, um, or from last summer to like now, I did this, like I was like an extra for this movie called I don't know what it's actually going to be called because it's not out yet, but I think it's Maestro. It's the one about like Leonard Bernstein and it was really cool. I got to get directed by Bradley Cooper, which was like sick. And he was like an old age makeup. Um, so even though I was like an extra, I still got to like see a lot of like what was going on behind the scenes and like see how he directs and like his directing style and it was cool because he was like acting at the same time and then would like pause and then direct i was like whoa like i don't know if i could do that but i played like a i was just like a ballet dancer for one of the um performances that leonard bernstein like conducted i guess um and it was for mass i'll actually send it to you it's pretty cool it's like a i think it's about like the bible or something like that entire piece um i didn't do any dancing they just cast me because i look like a ballet dancer i guess um and i just had to like be on the camera a little bit so i didn't really have to do much but i met a lot of cool people and it was a really cool experience and i got paid so that was nice (laughs) and then um the shop player is another film um that hasn't come out yet it's kind of like a documentary type style it's about a man who uh, a real man who I got to meet, but he um, was a pickpocketer, and it wasn't like he was doing it out of like malicious intent. I guess like he described it as like like um, an itch, like he just had to do it. The way he described it was really cool. I'll send you an article that I found. I like, dug it up somewhere, but um, I worked with Sam Scheinberg. It was like super cool, and I got to work with this casting director Eleanor Hendricks and she has cast like so many cool projects that I've like dreamt of being part of and then it was cool that even like on a small scale um I was able to like work with her twice um and I was extra for like some film and then um this one is like also a film but I was playing like the younger version of the pickpocketer's wife so it was kind of showing like um his love story with her, like, from when they were younger, um, and I was, like, in those scenes, and it was basically improv, which was something that I 
hadn't really done for like a professional film set before so that was really cool um and I had like just met the well I met the guy that I was like I was playing the husband version I guess but um I met him like at a chemistry read I guess but we didn't really reach there we just like all spoke um and it was really cool but that was cool getting to know him through the improving and then we had to like be flirty and stuff like and I haven't really played a lot of roles like that like that's just not what I've been cast in I guess so it was cool getting to do that and having like a lot of freedom um in that respect because I'm really used to being like a vessel and like just absorbing what other people give me and then like adding what I naturally add on to it um but it was cool that I was like he was like yeah these are lines but like just talk and like you know hang out with him and I was like okay cool um but mostly I've been sorry this is like really long-winded recently I've been not really doing much because I've been in school and I go to NYU and I'm studying drama and my studio is the Atlantic School of Acting and they use the uh, practical aesthetics techniques. So it's a lot of like textual analysis, a lot of um, just going back to the book, going back to the book and like being present with the person um, that you're acting with and the roles that I was able to play. This year, I wasn't too happy with that first, but I guess you learn everything with, you know, with what you do and you look back on it. And you're like, okay, I guess I learned something. But um, we did Shakespeare, and I played Isabella in, um, shit, what is it called? <laughs> I played Isabella in <laughs> Measure for Measure. Um, and I basically had to play a nun in training, which was really different for me, very different for me. And it was, the language was so challenging. Um, and another Shakespeare play that I did a scene from was, um, Richard III, and I played Duchess of York, which is his mother. That was also very challenging, but I've been on a thread of playing, like, older women. Isabella is probably the youngest character I've played my entire year, and... I don't know, I guess that's the role that I, like, attract. They just kind of happen, but it was, like, pissing me off, to be honest, because I've been wanting to play someone, like, my own age and or similar to that, and I kind of was like, I don't know if they, like, I keep, like, falling into this type of role because it's, like, my vibe I'm giving off or, like, a part of me was scared that it's, like, me falling into this, like, nanny trope because like most people I go to school with are like white you know and I know they don't see it like that but like I was just so sick of like being a character that was like taking care of somebody or like another role that I played was mama slash Thelma in night mother which is really dark fucking plays yeah that that one took a lot out of me that was the first time that a role had um affected me outside of that um and I really had to have like a closing like routine for that one because I was like carrying it into life and I was just like randomly crying at times because my body was like as an actor like your body trains and if it like for a certain role and if it's doing that every day then your body sometimes like oh it's around this time that you'd be like sobbing so maybe something's wrong like start crying and so it's just like that muscle memory 
Um, but that was kind of scary because I've read about that happening to actors, but I never thought that, I don't know. It's not that I thought it was like better than anyone else or anything, but I was just like, I don't think like it would get to me. Like I know I'm playing, like I'm just like playing pretend, but that was the first time it really got to me and it, it like scared me. And I was like, whoa, I get it now when I read articles about like actors having to like take a break after like a certain role or something. Cause that one was really dark, but yeah, that was a mom as well. So I didn't know if that if it was like a mommy type of thing that people were seeing me in, or like typically when you're like a, I feel like when you're a black woman in acting school, you tend to get typecast into like the black plays, and like people really want to see you do that like one monologue from piano lesson or like that one monologue from Fences, you know, and it's like it's great work and it's great writing and I would love to do that. But I feel like you're kind of only seeing me in that respect or regard. And then if it's not that, then I'm like thrown into being like everybody's mother, which is like also like a caretaker role. And I'm like, can I just like be a person? Um, you know, naturally my layers that I have as, as my own person is going to add on to any character. Um, I want to have more range. I don't want to be like stuck in a box. So that was frustrating. But um, yeah, Isabella was cool though. It was really cool playing a nun. I'm never going to do that again. And we remixed it and made it to where she was like wearing a hijab and was Muslim. Yeah, Shakespeare was a challenge as well. Sorry, that was really long. That's okay. That's interesting, the range, but also like the role that you kind of have been stuck in. Kind of like yeah. the dark side of acting and playing because that's not the original reasons why you got into it or started escaping, yeah. I guess. Yeah. First of all, congrats on all these roles. That's amazing. Hey. Oh, yeah, that's so amazing. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud of you for that. And that's unfortunate that you got casted. Because I was surprised when you said that. You don't give. I don't know. Right? Yeah, you look like a teenager. <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe because I was like a little, I was like two years older than everyone. But even still, I went to school with like other transfer students and they weren't getting cast as like people's moms or like, and then people try to like say like a nice compliment. I'm like, oh, you just like give a very like regal vibe. Oh. Like, da da da. I'm like, no, but like, this is about playing like mm -hmm. okay i can do it once twice but like three four times like mom like something's up like what yeah. you guys mm -hmm. seeing because i don't see that and like like you said the the whole idea of me doing this was to like a form of escapism but i feel like i'm kind of this semester i was kind of like put shoved into a box that i couldn't get out of mm -hmm. so i kind of felt a bit suffocating sometimes and then that medium acting being like my form of escapism it felt like it was kind of like taken away from me because it didn't feel like as enjoyable because of like the confines that I felt like I was being put in. I'm wondering if like you have a, a choice and a voice for what rules you play or is that more this is what you're doing and there's no way around it? Um, so we do have a choice. So that was the frustrating part. We had a choice, but then you have to find a partner. You have to find a partner that has a good schedule as you. Mm. And you have to find a partner that didn't do, even if you want to do something, like nobody wants to do something that they've already done before. So if you're interested in something and someone else has done it, then it's like, okay, not that. 
and I came into acting school and still today I like don't have that much knowledge about plays I feel like I have more knowledge of like movies and shows um but we we can only do scenes from plays and I don't have that much knowledge so when I ask for counsel or when I'm researching um I don't know I feel like a lot of the ideas that I would present were either like shot down or there wasn't enough like lines or roles for like three people and there's like three people in our group so we can't do it because there's no three-person scene or something so there was always like some complication um but i feel like there were plays that i presented that we could have done but it was kind of like majority rules or i didn't want to be viewed as like difficult Mm -hmm. so even though i had been like this isn't something i want to do or like i don't want to do shakespeare again i ended up playing his freaking mother Richard's mom I was like oh perfect Mm. (laughs) um but we ended up doing it again because we were like a group of four and it was really hard to find a play that had like a good amount of lines for like a four-person scene Mm -hmm. and we asked a professor for their guidance and they presented Richard III and we kind of ran out of time to pick for ideas so um we had looked for ideas but the group didn't like any of them so it was like okay then I guess like I'm doing this and like I guess I'm the only one who like doesn't want to do it again but okay cool so I was just I guess trying to balance like having my voice right but also not being like difficult or it's like oh every time we did with Mary Alma like she like doesn't want to do this role or whatever but yeah so I mean I guess I could have fought for myself more but I was just kind of like stressed out at the time I was like whatever yeah, for convenience reasons. Yeah. And you don't want to be seen as the angry black woman, so yeah. you don't want to rock the boat. <laughs> <laughs> hey. uh, that's another conversation. No, that's so bad. Mm-hmm. So I haven't gotten the chance to, you know, produce or create them on a larger scale that I would like. So a lot of my work, like, that I've created in school has always alluded to the work I want to create in the future. So there's a thing we call video sketches, where it's kind of like a visual mood board and video form of, you know, the project we want to create. So I think I've been doing a lot of that throughout college, making video sketches for projects I'd want to make in the future. That's like the work I've been doing in film and then lately just creating like little scenes that would again allude to the work I want to make and then helping, you know, friends with their thesis films after I graduated. Any details about what these scenes are or what your latest project is? Yeah, I can go into detail. Kind of like I said earlier, a lot of my work is it pertains to like childhood and nostalgia, so I'm, I want to work on a piece that does take place in the early 2000s and deals with childhood trauma and like your inner child and nostalgia and healing and you know also making it like visually aesthetic and my aesthetic and very playful and colorful. I don't know exactly what the plot will be and who the characters will be but I'm pulling a lot from my childhood. I'm like going really back in time. Like, <laughs> yeah I've been writing like lists of my memories, faces, people like 
just gonna come yeah i've just been really doing a lot of research i'm in i'm definitely in the developmental researching phase of these projects wow sounds like a lot of work that goes into like even uh like our town norwood it has like town reports and i was even reading like 2004 town reports of like what the school curriculum was doing at the time and then that brought a lot of memories back i'm like oh i remember we did that in school Mm. so i'm just really digging deep yeah you like recall like faces like what is that like like are you like what was that one face i saw are you like oh this particular memory like I don't even know if I'm asking the question correctly, but I, know, I, I thought that was so interesting. I think one night, like, early in the morning, I took my notebook and I wrote down, like, the header was, like, sixth grade, and I just wrote down every single number I remember from sixth grade. Like, people were coming up, like, every single detail. And I found some people on Facebook because I like to stalk people. <laughs> some people, like, I, it's so crazy. You forget, you forget about people, like, their face and, like, their name. And then I think, like, I'm probably somebody that people have forgotten about too, so it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's in your subconscious and it just resurfaced. That was really a crazy experience. So, oh, you know, I know cool. it's crazy. Yeah, I follow a lot of old elementary school uh, classmates, and like we haven't spoken since. Except my- like I hung out with one of them during the pandemic. I was like back on Staten Island, and it was like really cool, but like. Seeing them on Instagram and like some of them having kids or like you know like living their lives and but you could still see like their kid face. Yeah. I don't know. For me, I could still see their them as a kid. Mm-hmm. But like we're all older and it's like really disorienting and it's. Like, <laughs> well, that's exactly what I went through. Because your last memory of somebody is like in childhood is when they were kids. So to see them now is weird. <laughs> <laughs> like so strange. Yeah, that's something I think about really honestly on a daily basis. Mm. Well, let's talk about our collaboration, how we met, your project, Pink Noise, share the story, what inspired it, what's the story, and who was it for? Ooh, okay. Okay, I'll start back in high school. I remember. As I was getting into film, I wrote a list of words or like titles that I'd want to use in the future, and Pink Noise was on the list. And then this was my junior year of college now in my directing class. We had to come up with a final, and I just I had such a creative block that time, and I was being really unoriginal. So yeah, I took like three days to myself to really get like a creative idea or whatever this film would be. So I went back to my list and I chose the name Pink Noise and I'm like, what is it going to be about? Originally, it was going to be about a young black teenage guy who moves to a predominantly white suburb in the 1970s and he like takes a hallucinogenic drug with his white classmates and something bad happens. But my teacher was like, what if nobody actually dies? What if um, it reveals the truth about something? So that's where I... You know, that's how I moved it forward. But I did tap into, like, my own upbringing and my own background. What I did was, I was like, okay, I like the type of pink noise, because pink noise is my favorite color, but, like, it has to have some type of purpose in me. So I actually Googled what pink noise was, and I found that it was this sonic hue that contains low frequencies, and these, like, really low frequencies are so much more powerful than higher frequencies. 
and I learned that pink noise was perceived as really flat, and it, it's found in nature, like rain, wind, leaves, rustling, and these are like sounds that I hear in the suburbs, or that we can hear in the suburbs, especially as somebody who grew up in the suburbs. And another like really compelling quality that I learned about pink noise was that it reduces your brain waves and it could improve your sleep. So I took this, yeah, I took this, <laughs> you know, I, then I was like, okay, pink noise and the suburbs are really synonymous with each other. And I interpreted this in a more metaphysical, spiritual meaning, you know, like, you know, how people say, stay woke, don't be sleep, you know, and obviously growing up in the suburbs, I thought like a lot of the kids weren't woke, they're like asleep. And, um, yeah, so I, I just I just thought suburbia was like really quiet, very even, very homogenous. Everybody's kind of the same, like the way they dress, their the way their mentalities are. It's like pink nose, it's all like flat and even. So oh. it was really about like this battle of awareness and consciousness, like who has it and who doesn't. And yeah, who's on a low frequency. And that's kind of where that idea, like the name pink nose comes from. And yeah, I wanted to add upon that, like a foreigner's view on America, coming to America, because a lot, I, I don't know about your family, Mariama, but I know a lot of foreign families, they love to put America on a pedestal and they have their own way of seeing it. And then when mm -hmm. they come here, it's a different reality that goes, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So um, that was the inspiration. And yes. Oh, what oh, yeah, is what the is story? <laughs> what is pink nose? What okay. is the story? So Pink Noise, so it's a it's a short film that is a fantasy slash psychological thriller about this foreign exchange student named Zenobia and she's from Ivory Coast and she unearths the truth about her new suburb after she has a spiritual encounter with this herbal juice that she drinks. That's how the story starts and the themes that uh, I touch upon in the story is like the American dream from an immigrant perspective, this idea of erasure, the supernatural, light, liberation, like this Barbie world, um, emigration again, and like xenophobia too, and then suburbia, obviously. Who is this story or who is this film for? Who I had in mind was my family in Ivory Coast, the ones who really glorify America on a pedestal and have the grass is greener mentality. And yeah, that's the main audience that I focus on. And I also suppose it could be for people who grew up in the suburbs or Americans who do think they are superior to other cultures. And yeah. so now I want to ask where does Mariama come into play in this? How is she connected to Pink Noise? <laughs> can I, can I, I crawl can... my way in? <laughs> can I actually tell you the side of the story? <laughs> yeah. It was, I think, March of 2020. I was in my junior year of college, and this was going to be my junior thesis film. But then we've been on lockdown. They kicked everybody off campus. We had to go home. So we, I was like, I'm not going to attempt to make this because I want it to be a good production. So I, I was casting around this time of March and I put a casting call on backstage, I think. And yeah, Mariama saw it somewhere. I think it was backstage. And then she messaged me on Facebook 
I never was on Facebook until a year later. <laughs> so then my senior year, a year later, I'm like casting again because we're back in school. Like I'm like, this is going to be my senior thesis. It's going to be, you know, bigger. So then I just couldn't find a lead at all. It was just a mess. And I was kind of going out here all the time. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't find anybody. So then I go on Facebook and I notice Mariana like messaged me 50 weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and at, at first, because then I did find somebody, my like one of my friends agreed, but she's not an actress at all, and she she said if I'm on camera, I'm gonna laugh, so you're gonna it's gonna be really hard to work with me. So I was like, uh, and she was really busy, but I'm like, okay. So I told Mar Mariam, I'm like, I already have a lead. I'm so sorry, but you know we can work on future projects, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? No, she's a better option. So <laughs> so happy. I'm so happy. And I was like, I am so happy too. And then, and she was Ivorian too. I'm like, wow. Well, I never had met an Ivorian ever in the East Coast. You were like the first one. That's crazy. Now I gotta come to New York. Yeah. Too. There's a bigger community there, so. There is. Yeah. I just met a girl because I joined like a Facebook group too. Me and Facebook. I don't even know. <laughs> I joined this Facebook group because I've been wanting to like sing more and not be as nervous. And some girl who's also like a musician, she's like so talented, so good at guitar and singing. Mm -hmm. But she's Ivorian too, and she said she hadn't met anybody. Well, I was like, oh, send us her info because we should meet. We're all. I heard that we're all in like the DMV area. That's where all the Africans are. Yeah. Like. But, <laughs> but I guess yeah, that's hilarious. That's how. It seems like so much more chaotic on your end because for mine, I like message and then, well, I found it on backstage. I was like, what? Like, this sounds mad. Oh, like, I want to do this. Like, this is like the type of stuff that I like dream about doing. Um, and the fact that like the protagonist, you like envisioned her as like an African girl was like, whoa like for this type of film like that like never happened like ever so i was like i have to take action that like I, whatever i've done to try so i didn't have a backstage subscription at the time because i i have like actors access instead because i feel like i just like the formatting better i feel like um it's easier to get like opportunities on there but yeah i like went on backstage and i saw i was like dope i have to submit but i didn't have a subscription so then i was like stalker mode on and i looked for the call um could not find like any like internet footprint might i say that is so like awesome that you're able to do that in this day and age have like little to no footprint um, <laughs> but i went on facebook and i was like mm, it don't look like she used this but this is my only <laughs> oh wow it was like one picture i was like oh man <laughs> so, <laughs> that's like i like messaged her and i was like yeah like i'm here too like i'm an actor like i go to emerson i would love to be part of this and then it was so long after the 50 weeks and then i saw one day randomly and i was like oh my god i remember i was like texting my friends like oh my god you remember that project i really wanted to do like she saw it but then you said like oh i found somebody else like, damn damn but i was like happy that we like connected i was like okay like i'm content i guess like we'll part ways but we'll know of each other and then he messaged me like a week later and he's like actually like, do you want to do it <laughs> 
Oh wow! Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, that Phew, that was a close awesome. one. And I feel like it was the cosmos trying to put us together in mm-hmm. some way, and I'm really happy it happened. Me too. I'm so grateful. What a good time. So, Mariamo, is there anything in particular you did to prepare for this role to play Um, the main lead? I definitely, like, read the, um, what the film is about, like, the log line. The pitch packet. That helps so much and, like, helped me get a sense of, like, your vibe because you do have a very specific uh, vibe when it comes to like filmmaking which is so cool I can't wait to see it like get developed and for you to get those budgets because they're gonna be freaking fire but um I searched up like pink noise and like was listening to it and then would like notice it more in my daily life and I think I didn't really have a technique at the time like I said earlier like there was no like oh I'm gonna like do all this technical stuff and then boom I have it or like warm up in this particular way but I think um I was able to like draw off of like what you were telling me and based off of like my experiences and the experiences of um the women in my life and the people in my life and I think what helped me most was observing and listening and like remembrance and like pulling back from like memories of like I don't know, things that, like, my mom went through or, like, my older sister went through coming here and, like, she came here when she was, like, 12, like, didn't speak English mm-hmm. very well, like, um, got picked on, like, so much because of her accent and because of where she was from. So I was just, like, pulling from that or from, like, what I saw in school when there's, like, a foreign exchange student or, like, a kid who's more, like, immersed in his own culture um, more than American culture and, like, how he's treated and... I grew up in a very white neighborhood in Ohio, so I definitely understand that suburbia, like pink noise, and just everyone doing the same things, wearing the same things. Like, you didn't have, like, this stupid freaking lip balm, and, like, you weren't cool. Like, what? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, like, the dumbest thing that make you feel so alienated and, like, mm-hmm. different and, like, I don't know, it's very, there's so many layers to your story, but I think life is was the biggest thing that helped me um just paying attention to what was happening in my life or what has had happened that's amazingly like that's really powerful just your lived experiences and then acting out your lived experiences pretty much which makes you like the perfect person to play she was. That's perfect. Thank you. Uh, you killed that Rolex. I'm gonna come back when you turn into a teacher. I'm gonna come back with yeah. some new found skills. Girl. Yeah, I'm going I'll to. I'll be better. Cause I, yeah, that's I, all you. I'll do that. I want to be a teacher. You still have your role. Trust me. <laughs> no, cause you know, like, um, have you guys seen Atlantic? Oh my god. <laughs> Let me write this down. Atlantic. Watch it, like, as soon as you can. Like, I think mm-hmm. it'll spark so much in you, cause it's like. It has that that vibe, that thriller, like ghost kind of vibe, but it's like 
totally in Wolof, like completely in Wolof, and it's like filmed in Senegal. Mm. And it won like the, was it the Grand Prix or something at the Cannes Film Festival? Mati oh, Her sweet. mom is white French and her dad is Senegalese, and he was the film director too. It's like a African like ghost love story, and it's just so like it just makes your heart feel so like heavy and like the most amazing way and like it creates like a sense of longing and like it made me feel so seen like the fact that it's like no like we're not going to translate it or whatever or do like it in english like everyone at the Cannes film festival has to watch this and wood up and read subtitles like i love that and like the protagonist like everyone in it was was african like Mm -hmm. african true Wow. The way you describe that, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna watch. Yo, <laughs> with all these feelings. You park in the stairs. Go watch that later. And then, you know, put on your headphones and just watch it. Mm-hmm. Oh, the whole reason why I brought this up, Mati Dio, Atlantics was a short film at first because she didn't have like the proper budget or whatever it was, but like it was a short film and it was totally different from like I watched like some of it or saw pictures from it. And it's, like, I think, like, the short film was, like, real, like, talking about the story or something around, like, a fire. But then she actually did the story that they're talking about or, like, did the whole thing in the feature. And the same thing happened with the movie Raw, um, which is also a really good movie. It's pretty gory if you're not into it. But it's really good. The concept, It's just, like, right. it's a French movie, and it was originally a short film. And she didn't have the budget, she didn't have, like, all the resources, but she, like, made it into a short film. And then when she, like, somehow got there, like, she made it into a feature. So, yeah, these shorts that you're doing, like, they're big ideas. They're big ideas, and you know it. And they're just going to keep, like, blossoming and blossoming. And they don't have to, like, be exact. I don't know, I feel like I feel sometimes with, like, art, like, it has to fit a certain... If I do it one way, then I have to stick with that because I feel like I've wasted time or like whatever. But and I'm just greedy. I'm being greedy. I want to watch something, so <laughs> and nobody's giving me the cost I want, and you're gonna give it to me. <laughs> That's funny. I know. I <laughs> but I thank you so much for that because I'm patiently waiting, and I appreciate your support mm-hmm. and everything you've done. Like honestly, thank you. Thank you. Seriously. That is inspiring. Pink noise will be okay. You say it because I mess this up. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah. So pink noise is going to be. It was selected and it's going to be screening at the Roxbury International Film Festival on June twenty fourth at eight p.m. Yeah. <laughs> where can we watch this? You said where? At the Blackman Auditorium at Northeastern University, and you can watch it on YouTube. I believe streaming online okay cool so if you're a boston local head over to black man auditorium northeastern university june 24th 8 p.m check out pink noise if you are not be on that youtube watch it love it see mariama nikki's work yes before we go i ask this to everybody that's featured on the show um, what are you leaving the listeners with if you were to tell them one thing? What is your message? I'm going to leave with 
courage and like just bravery and courage because what we're doing is really brave unexpected um and it's scary i feel like sometimes it can make me shrink but those are the times when you should be bigger and when i should be bigger but I'm going to practice doing that because you two inspired me today. Oh, yeah, you inspired me. Inspired me. For me, uh, I would say, I think it kind of goes off of bravery and courage like Mariama mentioned, but really tap into your inner child because the things Mariama and I are doing now, our inner child would be so happy, you know? Yeah, I really would be really happy, so... Tap into that, what you loved as a child, or even the new things you find yourself loving now. Just tap into that play and be one with your inner child. It's really liberating. Don't be afraid to play. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. That all just makes my heart so happy and warm and like, why are my eyes tearing up? I don't know. <laughs> are you all crying? <laughs> Yeah, it's healing. Mm-hmm. Let it out. I'm... My professor said to us one day, she's like, she's like the wisdom teacher. Mm. And she was like, no one ever changes when they grow up. Who told you guys that? Right. No one ever changes. You just stay the same, but the circumstances change and you get bigger. Mm-hmm. Very good. <laughs> true. That's so true. That reminds me of a quote I posted on my Instagram a few weeks ago. It was, oh, adults are just children with experience. Well, I love and I miss you guys, and you guys are such inspirations, and I'm so proud of the work you're doing and just putting yourself out there and, you know, taking that courage, being brave, taking up that space, putting your names out there, putting your faces out there. Your work out there. I'm just so hopeful and excited for both of your futures. And- Thank you. I love you too, Rosie. Thank you so much. Yeah, of yeah, course. Thanks for giving us space to talk. I'm very inspired by Mariana, honestly. <laughs> like, I'm very you're inspired like- by you too. Seriously, like, I feel. I don't know. I feel like I haven't really been. I don't know, interacting with people that much, especially not like other like black women especially not african women so it's really really nice like that we're like in the same age range and just like have such parallels to life where i feel like i can see like a reflection of myself in you guys and feel perceived back and like the way that i want to be perceived and like you guys can see that truth, like the be out, like you can, yeah. you can see the truth in each other without having to like say that much and not feeling like, I don't know, like an outsider. So thank you. It just always feels so good. Like I always feel so good after I talk to you guys. Oh, so, 100%. Mm. And that's what this show is all about. You put it perfectly. We don't have to say too much, but we get it and we understand and we see each other. Welcome to the kin. That's what it's all about. I right. yeah. Have a good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you liked what you heard. If you do, be sure to subscribe to Americanized on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you stay in the loop for when episodes drop. 
Also follow Americanized on Instagram, same spelling as the podcast. Thank you so much. All original music produced by Stubborn Saul. Be sure to find him on all music listening platforms at S-T-B-R-N-S-A-L. <laughs>